0: Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. J.J. Cooper and Matt Eddy here as we've been all through through six divisions, wrapping up today with the AL West, doing our AL West Prospects draft. Before we do that, we do want to remind you that the Baseball America books, some of them are in hand, some of them are uh, shipping, and some of them will be uh, shipping pretty soon. Matt is actually taking a break from finishing editing the Super Register to... uh, to join us on the podcast here. We have sent the directory to the pub, to the uh, printer. So we'll be getting the... It's still a little ways away, but the directory will be coming out for all too long. Prospect handbooks should be uh, shipping next week. So if you haven't gotten your prospect handbook yet, it's a very good time to order. Uh, go to baseballamerica.com slash store, or you can uh, give us a call at 1-800-845-2726. And uh, you can place your order over the phone. A reminder, if you do order the Baseball America Prospect Handbook from us here at Baseball America directly, you get the 31st prospect for each team as well in a special supplement. And also, you will get it way before anyone else will, because uh, they ship from Baseball America well before they ship from anywhere else. So that's a reminder of that. And that leads us into the final, I'm I'm kind of sad to say this, the final of our six division prospect drafts. To remind you, if you have not heard the previous five, and if you haven't, they're all there, Remind you that, okay, the rules of this are we don't draft number one prospects. Number one prospects are off the board. Usually number one prospects would have gone, you know, very quickly anyway. I think there are a couple guys here who may have lasted a little while, um, you know, if, if we did that. But uh, number ones are off the board. And we will keep going back and forth uh, until we've at least selected a player from every team. So every team, will, you know, in the AL West will be represented. Matt, I think you went first last time, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. He took
1: Sano at the top of the AL Central draft.
0: So he took Sano at the top of the AL Central. That leads back to me. I think I the, get... the
1: best part about this is us flipping through the magazine
0: live yes, you on, live hear. on the air. You can hear our everyone.
1: extensive preparatory. We can do. We can wing this up. <laughs> our
0: head. Well, it's pretty easy for me, number one pick. Uh, I'm going. I'm going with the uh, the power speed combo that is George Springer, um, not the. Uh, there's some risk there, more than some of the other first picks. I think Miguel Sano is probably a little safer first pick, a little younger. You know, He had a little bit more of a track record of hitting for Sano. Um, that being said, Springer, and we've talked about me and you have talked about in the office, Springer's a guy who he's got a the, the combination of power, speed, defense, all together – is going to give him a whole lot of opportunities to prove that he can hit. Because mm-hmm. the rest of his package, what he does, is so valuable that he doesn't have to hit 300 to be a very productive player. Now, really the question comes down to where does he fall on that line? Kind of a worst-case scenario we've talked about. I mean, worse than maybe. But a, a realistic bad scenario for him would be kind of a Chris Young-type career where the strikeouts end up overwhelming everything else. Even though Chris Young did have... Some highs to his career, but he 's really ended up being a little bit more of a bounce around guy than, than maybe you know, one would have hoped yeah and then at the upside, if he just cuts down the strikeouts a little bit, then you 're talking about a, a guy who could be a, a you know, a solid all star because again, we may not play center right off the board the the bat we don 't know whether he 's going to play center whether Dexter Fowler's going to play center, but it 's not hard at all to see with that team he 's going to get the Astros are going to give him you know, here's 550 at-bats this year, here's 550 at-bats next year, here's 550 at-bats the year after that, to see if he can just make a couple of adjustments. Right now, from what I'm talking to scouts, he's a little bit pull-happy. You know, it it worked for him pretty well last year. It's hard to argue it too much because he was looking for something on the inside half to pull. And when he got it, he uh, hit 37 homers last year. But scouts do think that he's going to have to cover the whole plate a little bit better when he gets to the big league level. That's the, that's the adjustment. Some feel like he'll make that adjustment no problem. Others feel like that's going to be a little bit of an issue for him. That'll yeah. be a fun thing to watch.
1: The key for any player, any hitter like Springer is just making the most of all your balls in play. Mm-hmm. You know, just hit, hitting as many extra base hits as possible when you do make contact because it's not going to be frequent contact. Exactly. So that
0: puts it back to you.
1: Well, there's no reason not to stay with the Astros. I'm just going to take uh, Marco Pell. The Astros' number three prospect and the first pick in last year's draft. You know, he's got all, he's got prototype uh, front of the rotation stuff, maybe two starter stuff, fastball, breaking ball, size, track record. There's not really many red flags with him.
0: No, uh, uh, history of durability. Mm-hmm. You know, it's
1: he's maybe not as exciting as some other picks taken this high in the draft, but I think the overall package is. Uh, and this sound and should be uh,
0: productive at the big league level for your uh, fictional team that'll <laughs> never play a game before long.
1: <laughs> right away. Who, who has the most one-one picks on the roster? Huh. <laughs> I bet most of them are number one prospects.
0: This well, is we, we. Well, one I was going to say one of them is not available. Carlos Correa uh, not available in this draft because uh, he's a number one. So it's interesting. We'll have to go back and look. Uh, we have to actually put these together. We'll put. I've I, I have this plan to put together a post for next week of just what our teams.
1: I've got them all this. written down up to. Oh, sweet. Up to now.
0: Oh, sweet. Um, so that's back to me, and now it actually does get a little bit more interesting. Um, we, it really comes down to <laughs> three teams. I, I feel like, we I, I put it this way, we're, we're not going to be picking an Angel for a while. I don't think we're going to be picking an A for a little while either.
1: I don't think so either. So
0: it really comes down to Mike fulton Awitz versus uh, DJ Peterson versus Jorge Alfaro. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, uh, it sounds funny to say it's a pitcher, but but I'm going to go with the uh, safest guy here. Uh, I think Mike Fulton which is the safest of those three picks
1: because... Staying with the Astros.
0: Staying with the Astros. You're talking about a guy who already has double-A experience, who has one of the best fastballs in the game. I know it can straighten out a little bit at times, but he also did show at times that it had a little bit more life than others. It really kind of depends on on how he's throwing it. Um, and, And really, a guy who... You look at the year he had, yeah, he had more walks than you wanted to see at the A level. But he's really made some impressive strides. Because he, the, the one of the things that jumps out is it's just when he was drafted, uh, his, his fastballs jumped not just a grade. You could argue it maybe has jumped two grades and since he, he was drafted. He was
1: an upper Midwest, an right. like Illinois kid.
0: And it's really, uh, now he's one of the hardest throwers in baseball uh, the You know, again, he, I don't going like to say worst-case scenario because worst-case scenario for a pitcher it always is is that he gets hurt and loses his stuff. But he seems safe that kind of the the low floor for him, the floor for him is, is if healthy, is useful reliever. I, mm-hmm. I think he's got a, a much better chance to start than that. Big frame, should be able to soak up, you know, innings. And, again, on a team that is going to have every reason in the world before too long to give him a starting job and let him hold it for a while.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, my second pick. Going to deviate slightly from the rankings and take uh, James Paxton of Ooh. the Mariners, number three. Uh, among I like that pick among, for you because I want to. I, I like <laughs> what it's going to do for me. I like um, among rookie left-handers last year, Paxton threw the hardest. He had arguably the best breaking ball, major league rookies. Uh, and I think the control will continue to be an issue. But if you look historically at the best pitchers with poor control, most of them are left-handers. Whatever the reason is, so I'm am seeing Paxton as kind of like a with the ceiling of a Jonathan Sanchez type pitcher, but with better stuff.
0: Okay, I I I, I see that's an interesting. I, I like that much I like big, that comp. much
1: bigger and throws much harder. I like that comp. Um,
0: I, I'm going to go with DJ Peterson then. Uh, I'll take the the probably the best bat available. You know, uh, in this group, um, you're you're talking about in Peterson. He was really considered one of the two or three best college bats in last year's class. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the, the big knocks on him come down to I know he's listed as a third baseman right now. The next guy that you bring up to me who says that he thinks he's going to stick at third base will probably be the first. <laughs> um, I, no one, I mean, he, he's going to be a first baseman, you know, long term. It's almost assuredly, but he is, uh, I, I think, going to hit enough to do that. Uh, I'll just take, you know, I'll take that bat. Okay.
1: You know, it doesn't fill a area of need on my team, my fake team here, I think, but uh, I'll take Rangers number two, Jorge Alfaro, the at- super athletic catcher You know, with a background as a third baseman. Uh, Power is legit. Arm is legit. Everything else up in the air. <laughs> can he hit? But <laughs> and
0: can he receive? I mean, those two things are the question. He can actually run. The run's not and, even a question. I, he's the catcher, so it's going to slow down. But... If you lined up every minor league catcher in baseball and said, have a foot race, I think I would put my money on Jorge Alfaro <laughs> to win.
1: But he does the things that major league teams seem to prioritize, and that's throw really well and hit the ball really far.
0: And you do wonder with receiving, like, you would expect that it's going to continue to get better. We did see too many pass balls last year. Mm-hmm. Too many times where, still too many times where you watch him and it's like, good receiving, good receiving. Did he forget that they were throwing a pitch? I mean, like, you know, I don't know if it's concentration lapses or just mechanical problems or what, but you still see some of that. He still is a, a young catcher who, again, can, you know, had played a, a couple of other positions. And you, you are talking about a guy who last year was the most he's ever caught because yep. he's had some injury problems as well. Yeah, but
1: that's an important note, yeah.
0: You know, but you, you add it all up and you say, hey, if it all comes together, he, he could be uh, really something pretty special.
1: And his swing and miss issues are not quite as acute as his teammates. No, no, we'll be getting to some of those, <laughs> I'm sure, in a little
0: while. Um, back to me, yeah. uh, I'm going to go back to the Astros, uh, Lance McCullers Jr. Uh, again, I uh, just talked about Mike fulton mm-hmm. McCullers is the – you'll hear people say, oh, he's going to end up as a reliever because he's a, he's a fastball, and it's – when I say curveball, curveball almost doesn't do it justice because it's such a power curveball, but – The fastball, curveball guy, I I do think that he's one of those guys who, even if his changeup, and it I saw him in person, and it was pretty brutal changeup. I mean, like, my notes were the first several of them were, is that a changeup? (laughs) They were that bad. I know we got a little better as the season went along. Talking to people who who are much better at this than I am, they said, no, we saw flashes every now and then of of at least an average changeup. That being said, I think he's a guy who his first two pitches are good enough that he might be able to start without really a, uh, you know, a, a, with even just the makings of a decent changeup. He has to improve it, but he's going to be primarily a two-pitch guy. His two pitches, I think, maybe still good enough to get, you know, both right-handers and left-handers out, even without that changeup. Um, so, I'm, again, I'll, I'll take the power arm, who, uh, at his best, is really
1: dominant. Okay. Uh, I'm going to stay with the Rangers, and I take Michael Choice, their number three prospect. Uh, I think... You're looking at a guy, a top 10 overall pick in the 2010 draft, who's improved his plate approach every year. The power, the the raw power is plus. Uh, Last year he hit 300 in uh, AAA and had, I think, I believe he had 10 home runs on the road and only four at home. Really hampered by his home park last year. I I think that home run outcome will change uh, dramatically this year. Just hitting fly balls in Round Rock or in Arlington is going to make a big difference to his bottom line. And uh, I think the power plays on a quarter.
0: Okay, I'm I'm gonna be a little strategic here. I, I have a couple guys I like. I'm gonna take Vince Velasquez. I'm gonna stay on the Astros. I know I, I did the Astros list, but I, I I really there's a lot of these Astros guys who so I really believe in. Some um, Velasquez, I've taken Fulton with McCullers and Velasquez. Yep. Velasquez is probably the most slam dunk starter type of these three. Like mm-hmm. he he has to improve his changeup's already there. He needs to improve his breaking balls, fastball breaking ball. I mean, fastball change up right now are really good. The breaking ball needs some work. Had, had some injury issues, really bounced back last year, kind of proved he was healthy. And uh, again, like McCullers, you know, both of them are going pitching probably in a pretty brutal part to pitch uh, you know, in, in this year. Uh, McCullers, uh, Velasquez got a taste of uh, Lancaster last year. Yeah. But uh, again, a, a guy who two, three years down the road could be a solid middle of rotation starter.
1: Yeah, uh, I, maybe the temperatures don't get high enough in April for it to be a big factor in Lancaster, you know? Because I know that at night there it does get cold, mm-hmm. and then maybe, maybe the temperatures aren't quite as bad. All right. Uh, now I'm going to go back to the Astros. I'm taking Jonathan Singleton. Okay. First baseman. It's kind of s- similar in some ways to choice in that his superficial production doesn't look that great from 2013, but he's got plus power and contact and a good batting eye. That yeah, It's always, always drawn walks. Just enough defensive chops to get it done at first base. I think you're looking at 7 power if you want to be optimistic with a chance to be a 50-55 hitter.
0: And again, again, talking about teams, one thing for these Astros prospects is they need these guys to come through, but there's also opportunity there. We saw them, again, they're, they're going to get a little bit better, but we saw them give Chris Carter 550 at-bats last year, 500 at-bats to figure things out. Jonathan Singleton before long is going to have some job security. Um, He's going to get a chance. It's not going to be something where if he struggles for the first 100 at-bats, it's going to be something where he gets sent back down. He's going to get some time to adjust to the big league level in a way that maybe a a team that's a little closer to the playoffs doesn't give a rookie that opportunity uh, as well. But that's back to me. This is while I was being strategic. I, I I'm I'm going to go You're uh, back exer-
1: so, exercising some strategery.
0: Uh, I, was, I was I'm going to go back to the uh, Rangers and uh, I am going to skip over number four prospect Nick Williams. <laughs> and if nothing else, my BP sessions will be uh, I'll be able to charge admission to them because I'm I'm drafting Joey Gallo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The uh, the when I say power hitting third baseman, that really doesn't do it justice. <laughs> as much power as anyone in the game, uh, his BP sessions are. Uh, I've gotten to see him a couple times and. They're absolutely fascinating. I I do hope that he makes it to the Futures game this year because he didn't make it last year because of an injury, and watching him hit BP in a big league ballpark would be very fun to do. I mean, he could immediately kind of jump into the home run derby, and I I would actually... If he was in the home run derby, I'd put him out of a decent chance of of winning it against the big leaguers. That's all the good things. Is he going to be able to stick at third? Okay, there's a lot of questions there. More importantly, is he going to make enough contact? Because... He hit 40 home runs. You have to. He hit 40 home runs in 125 or so games last year. He missed time last year. He also struck out 172 times in just over 400 at bats. That's a strikeout rate that is going to concern uh, pretty much anyone. The, the The shocking thing is is that he managed. To hit 245, because Mm -hmm. considering his strikeout rate, it really you know if you told me he hit 200, it wouldn't have been shocking. He did get on base some because really to be honest, pitchers are afraid of him, especially at lower levels. They're already having struggle struggling to throw strikes. You put a guy like Gallo in the you know in there, and they're trying to be a little bit more fine. You're going to see a lot of you know a lot of pitches to look at, but uh, again, there's concerns there. I always come back to it. Uh, I watch Russ Brannion play in the South Atlantic League. Brandian's a guy who, you know, I know there's a lot of people around who don't even remember watching him play, but the reality is is that Brandian was a guy who you could look at him and say, man, that guy was disappointing how he ended up, or you could look at it and say, you know, that guy was more productive than maybe people realize. Um, I think Brandian may have been a little bit better at third base, a little bit more athletic but uh, at third. But I do see that as a, a pretty likely, and again, the, the ceiling for Gallo is that he's the best player in baseball. If he cuts down, I mean, he could be that... Chris Davis-type slugger. Again, that's his ceiling. He's got a long ways to go to get there.
1: Yeah. Uh, my favorite stat about Gallo, who I was looking at with my next pick. Is, that's why I was like, I gotta get him now. But, yeah, I'll let, I'll let you sit at him for three years. And I'll yeah. sit with him in the big leagues next year. Exactly. <laughs> um, the, my stat? favorite stat on Gallo is Hickory plays in such a hitter's park, but that had no no factor in Joey Gallo's home run total. He hit 22 on the road, (laughs) led the South Atlantic League. Watching BP, I got to see him
0: in (laughs) BP in spring training and then watching him in BP in Greensboro for several days. It was kind of (laughs) like we made a point of making sure that we were always there for BP for the Hickory Club. And I I do think that Gallo's BP swing right now may be smoother than his in-game swing. Like, and it goes, I mean, which is also a reminder that he doesn't need to swing nearly, you know, he doesn't have to swing that hard. Even his, like, early, his first couple of rounds of BP where he's really working on trying to, you know, hit the ball to all fields and all that, (laughs) he's still driving the ball monstrous distances because he's that strong, but it's a little bit more controlled, and then he gets in games, and it feels like it's like he's watching a guy trying to hit the ball 550 feet, (laughs) which, again, he can miss the
1: ball a little bit,
0: and and it's going to the wall. Uh, It's immense power, but... Back to you.
1: All right. Whatever pick this is, it's gonna be Domingo Santana, Astros number eight. They're a strong arm right fielder with a profile power for the for the corner. Um it's got some issues to clear up like a lot of these young power hitters who play the outfield corner in terms of making more contact. But uh, But he's gonna be able to play right. That's yeah. a that's a useful that's a useful help for a guy like that. I feel like too many guys you know, fanned out to the corners, but It's just the way the talent breaks down. So, yeah,
0: you're probably wise to take him because I very well may have gone that direction myself. Now it gets interesting. (laughs) Hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to the Rangers. I'm gonna go Nick Williams. Uh, I I, at one point I I asked a. uh, a scout and, uh, I think, a manager I said, you know, it feels like that Nick Williams has the more advanced approach of this group of Hickory, you know, massive, tools up uh, hitters. And uh, I had both of them described to me, it's like, I don't know if he has a better approach. I think his <laughs> approach is pretty raw, but his hands work so well that he can be fooled and still make solid contact in ways a lot of the other, these other guys can't. Um, again, Hickory's a good park, as you pointed out. 293, 337, 543 is pretty loud uh, for a guy especially who is considered pretty raw. That's him with some steps forward you know, needed to be taken. I mean, he needs to walk more, as pretty much all these hickory guys do.
1: Yeah, he had like the 10th worst in the minors. Walk to strikeout ratio. Right, he's got, he's got to get better.
0: Um, again, I want to see these guys, these hickory hitters, we've talked about this I think on the podcast even, they really didn't work on approach last year. It was learn your swing. I, I want to see these guys, you know, personally again. Take take or leave this, because just my opinion. I want to see these guys work on approach. I want to see okay, you're, let's see something different when it's a O two count versus a a two O, and that's what we haven't really seen a whole lot of yet. To me, at least, I'll be interested to see that with these guys. Like if they can emphasize having that approach, because I think a guy like Williams. Can walk more and cut down the strikeout some if he really focuses on being short to the ball with in two strike counts. Back to you.
1: Yeah, I thought about Williams there. Um, I'm going to stay with the Rangers and uh, take Luis Sardinas, number seven, the shortstop. shortstop. I don't have any shortstops on my team, and this is probably the, the purest defender I have a chance to get with the remaining few picks of the draft. Uh, switch hitter, can run, throw. Will he be able to hit at a, at a major league level that, that remains to be determined, but... I feel pretty confident that he can based on his contact skills. He almost reminds me a little bit of a poor man's Eric Ibar. You know, switch hitting, contact oriented, good fielding shortstop. Sardinas is not quite as explosive and he's not quite as thick, so I don't know how much authority he's going to hit with, but I think that's the type of player you're looking at if it all goes well.
0: Okay. Back to me. I'm going another Astro. Uh, we got a couple of young power arms uh, that are available on the board. Luis Gohara, the, uh, the uh, Mariners guy, for one. But I'm going to go Michael Feliz. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting backstory for him. Uh, was a, Signed by the A's was voided. The contract was voided because he tested positive for steroids. Mm-hmm. That ends up working out well for the Astros because they get him and, uh, and and really, he, I don't want no other way to put it, but dominated the, uh, the New York Penn League as a, a pretty young guy to dominate the New York Penn League. Very athletic delivery. The Astros emphasize athletic deliveries. Gets a massive amount of extension to uh, with his lower half in his delivery. You know, you're talking about a uh, a, a plus fastball that should even get continue to get better. Um, just there's really a lot of tools there. It's a long ways away, but uh, again, they're not they're, He's a guy who you know he has to low A this year. It'll be very interesting to watch what he does. i to be very excited to watch him. You know hopefully pitch multiple times, at least on MILB-TV this year, because he's a very interesting guy to watch.
1: Back to you. I like Phillies. All right, I'm going to take the Angel. We'll end this draft. I'm going to take number two, C.J. Krohn, first base Uh, slash D.H. And we probably mean more D.H. than (laughs) first base. When you talk about best power available, I think it's Gallo and then a gap, and then Krohn, I mean, among, among players in this division.
0: Singleton would be in that discussion. In Santana discussion. would be in that discussion. Um, Alfaro would be in that discussion. But no, I,
1: I, I think, think it's, right In there. terms of usable,
0: it's probably Krohn.
1: Yeah. Uh, really tough park in Arkansas. He, Brutal park to hit home runs. And he didn't show any disparity between home and road. You know, the, it's, it's kind of a Mark Trumbo type skill set because he doesn't walk. You know, he doesn't make excessive contact. You're gonna get. You might get 30 home runs, but it's not. You're not gonna get much of an on base. The
0: thing I'm concerned about with him a little bit is, is that I agree with kind of the Trumbo package. The difference being though that Trumbo, one of the things that works really well for Trumbo is, is I think Trumbo has significantly more athleticism than him. I know they're yeah. both big guys, I know. but Trumbo is that former third base, you know, like third baseman who ends up can play a corner in the outfield and first base. Whereas Cron used to be a catcher, but shoulder problems, really can't throw anymore. Yep. And so not really even much of a first baseman, really more of a DH, which always has to concern you a little bit when you're talking about a guy who's 24. Yep. That being said, it really is a guy, though, that it's going to be all come down to whether he hits. Yeah. If he hits enough, you, you live with that.
1: Overall, he's not going to be as valuable as Trumbo. In the batter's box, he might be similar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but that's well. That does uh, you. I had the first pick, so I don't get another pick. I I,
1: who else were you looking at?
0: Oh, I I, it would have been a while for Chrome for me. Um, I would have taken Gohara before him. I'd have taken Asher Wojciechowski before him, Um, and I probably would have taken uh, Billy McKinney before him. I I think that McKinney has a chance to be a similar type hitter, but with some more athleticism. Uh, Then probably that's probably when Chrome would have come in for me. Uh, You know, at that point, we'd have been done with. Again, I would have taken. You know, we would have been done with the Astros at that point. We didn't get through all ten. I didn't get a chance to take Astro Woj. You know, I would have left Danny Holson for you though. Mm. Uh, It's kind of sad to see. Like uh, number ten on the Mariners list would have not have been sitting there at this time last year. But shoulder surgeries always are. uh, Yeah, unfortunately, I think
1: I took him last year when John and I did the same exercise with this division. Well, thanks for coming out, Danny. And he's like,
0: "Wait, so now I'm
1: not on your fake team, but I was on your fake
0: team. Did you put me on, you know, waivers, DFA me, or what?" So, do want to interject? We uh, made a mistake here. We're so focused on making sure we took an angel, we haven't taken an A yet. So, a little addendum to this: I did check with Matt, and so we do have two more picks to go. I would take Billy McKinney, the uh, A's outfielder, the number two prospect on the A's list, with my next pick. So. Uh, McKinney is is a, a very solid hitter. Um, I, I do think, you know, in another organization he would rank a little lower. I, I feel like the A's have a good bit of depth, but it's it's solid depth. Of, they had a, a pretty intriguing low-class A team in Beloit, but you got look at guys like Renato Nunez and uh, Dylan Covey and Nolan Samberg and Daniel Robertson. Those guys are interesting, but they're also not... Yet uh, premium prospects. I got a lot of guys like that. Not a whole lot of guys after you get past number one pick, Addison Russell, who are uh, are guys who are, are, are pretty safe impact guys yet. Uh, a lot more guys who are a little further away. So I would take McKinney. And then checking with Matt, Matt said that he would uh, uh, go in the direction of, uh, uh, actually, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Alex Gonzalez, the uh, Rangers right-hander, the number six prospect in the Rangers list. So... That would wrap up our picks. We did want to make sure that we picked someone from every team. So, sorry, A's fans. We did get that in, and thanks again. Well, I hope we do hope that you've enjoyed this. We've gotten some good response that people do. So, you know, we'll try to do this again every year. I I think it is a useful way to kind of just look at it and sit down and kind of show you also. We do our list, our collaborative list, but at the same time we do... um, let the, uh, the the person who's doing the, uh, the bulk of the reporting kind of lead the way on that. And so we don't always agree with every, you know, we, we're taking guys a little bit out of order sometimes. And also that's often a useful reminder that these lists are pretty bunched up. Don't get all upset because a guy's seven and another guy's five when we may be saying that, well, the five and seven are, are a, a razor, you know, uh, thin difference between the two. But, again, we hope you enjoy this. We'll be back next week with a Prospect Handbook podcast. I know this is the Prospect Handbook podcast. We're going to have a Prospect Handbook focused show, is what I should say, because the uh, we'll be shipping them out uh, next week. So we want to talk a little bit about that and a little bit more about what kind of what all you can find in the book, uh, some of the interesting things uh, that you may know and may not know about the book. So, for Matt Eddie, JJ Cooper, thanks for the download, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>